From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., police estimate that 1,500 people rallied at the state capitol on Friday, demanding that Governor Tony Evers lift his safer-at-home order so non-essential businesses can reopen. Evers recently extended the order about a month, ending May 26th because of the continued spread of the coronavirus. Many people at the rally carried signs. Some of them read, End the Tyranny, and All Jobs Are Essential. Most of the protesters stood next to each other, not wearing masks or practicing social distancing, although some remained in their cars. State Republican leaders also want to reopen the economy and have asked the Wisconsin Supreme Court to overturn Evers' order. We haven't really heard much from GOP leaders since the rally. What was their take on it? They largely tried to keep the rally at arm's length. They backed the sentiment, but they didn't want the event to become about them or become a political event. They wanted to keep the focus on what the protesters had to say. Now, there's also, there are also some who think that there's a political calculation there, that if you know the, the public at this point isn't necessarily overwhelming against what Governor Evers is talking about. So if you are out there in full force of protesters, it may come back to bite you politically. But for the most part, I think the only Republican lawmaker I remember speaking was Kathy Bernier, Republican from up by Chippewa Falls. Um, she touted the challenge Republicans filed in the state Supreme Court seeking so overturn or seeking an injunction preventing enforcement of the second stay-at-home order. Um, she also talked about a plan from Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, the stakeholders' business uh, group, about how it would go about um, reopening the economy. And she said if Governor Evers knew it was good for him, he'd, he'd back that plan. But for the most part, they just kind of kept arm's length and kept away from the event. I also saw some some Republicans asked ahead of the, the protest if they thought it was safe to gather like that, and they kind of demurred. So they just, again, kept it at arm's length. They didn't want to be too much involved in what was going on. The Supreme Court is expected to rule by the end of the week on Evers' extension of the Safer at Home order to May 26th. What do you think will happen here? Good question. I hate predicting what courts are going to do, but I know that we have deadlines this week where the Evers folks get to respond to the Republican lawsuit. Then... Groups who are not parties get to file front of court briefs. Then Republicans get to a chance to respond to even arguments. It's in the hands of the court. And the question is, how quickly will the court act? And will it embrace a request from Republican lawmakers that if the court issues that injunction preventing enforcement of the second stay-at-home order to stay that injunction for six days to allow the creation of an emergency rule that would kind of over provide a guide for how we're going to proceed going forward. Now, an emergency rule is something that an agency can can promulgate to put a policy in place, but there's legislative oversight for that process. Right now, the order is, was issued by Evers' uh, Health Services Secretary, Andrea Palm, and Republicans complained that they were not consulted, they weren't part of the discussion, and they, and to paraphrase their words, they want this lawsuit to force Evers folks to, bring, to come to the table and negotiate with them on a rule. Now, some of the questions out there are, will the court overturn or issue that injunction, I'm sorry, of the rule? Will the court embrace the call for the six-day stay to allow for or the emergency rule to be promulgated? And how quickly will it act? Will it embrace both uh, the injunction and that six-day window? And then how quickly, if that all happens, could the Evers folks negotiate 
a deal with Republican lawmakers because, to be quite honest, they have not been the same page uh, for most of the time that Evers has been governor. So trying to hammer out a rule that would govern how we're going to basically deal with this pandemic going forward in six days, no less, is going to be a challenge. At the same time, the state's largest business lobbying group, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, has rolled out a proposal for reopening the economy. But while GOP leaders are challenging Evers' safer-at-home order, how would the Republicans go about reopening non-essential businesses, especially when you consider that Evers released a plan last week tying the reopening of businesses to data showing a steady reduction in COVID-19 cases? Well, we haven't seen a a plan from Republican leadership. We have seen a couple of proposals from others. For example, the Tavern League of Wisconsin put out something about how it wanted to see bars and restaurants begin to reopen with things like tables being no more than six people at a time, um, tables being at least six feet apart, you know, servers wearing masks, those kinds of things. Cody Horlocker, who's a Republican from Aquanago, a member of the Assembly, he and a bunch of his Assembly GOP colleagues signed a letter to the Evers administration proposing a a four-week plan that sought to kind of open the outdoors in the first week, you know, like parks and those kinds of things, and then gradually ease up on things, restrictions. But it would, the measure would be how many deaths there were each week. And if you saw an increase in deaths, that you would pair back from that process. WMC, it worked with Chris Kappinga, a Republican senator from Delafield and others, on what became its proposal, which essentially would create a formula that if you're a business, you plug into this website created by the Evers administration, you know, where you're located um, and what you do, you know, what kind of business activity it is. And that form would take into account things like population density, um, the strength of the local healthcare system, um, and, you know, interactions, personal interactions at your business to produce a, a output of, okay, you can reopen, but with these restrictions, you have to do A, B, and C to be open. Um, the Evers folks have, you know, they've looked at it, but the governor on Friday said that he, you know, was open to, you know, discussions, but one thing that's not in that plan from WMC, the governor's called for is kind of a, the benchmarks that he had. And that is he wants to see, for example, a decrease in new cases for 14 straight days. Well, we're not on that path right now. It's been ticking up a little bit lately, uh, at least a couple of days. So you need 14 days of drops in the infection rate and positive tests. That's not in the WMC plan. Evers also has things like um, testing capacity, which I think we're getting close to if we're not there already on what he wants people to do. So there's a question of if the court were to force, you know, the Evers folks to retreat from what it's done and embrace an emergency rule, can there can there be some kind of compromise built off of what he's done plus? what groups like WMC or the Tavern or others have suggested to come up with a new rule. And again, in that tight time window of maybe six days to do it. Also, there were no reports of arrests or citations at Friday's protest for violating the Safer at Home order and for gathering, even though the organizer's permit was denied. Why do you think police stood down? Oh, a couple of things. One, you know, the governor made clear when he asked about these protests that, you know, there's a First Amendment and people are welcome to exercise it. Two, um... I just don't get the impression that it was worth the hassle of trying to round people up for having a protest. I mean, just think if 1,500 people were out there, the, the manpower it would take to arrest all those people or cite them just really wasn't in the cards. And third, there's been a, a 
kind of a factor for on the minds of the Evers folks, the whole process of, okay, you know, how do we manage this thing with the things that we're doing and not run into a, a court decision, likely from the state Supreme Court, that ends up weakening the governor's power going forward, not just for this, but also for future health out, health outbreaks if we have them. Um, so there's been a worry that if you were to do a bunch of citations, you could end up in the courts and end up losing and that power to limit gatherings would go away. So there are multiple factors in this, but I just don't get the impression it was really something that's high on the priority list. But the Evers folks, not everything else is going on. Some recall Evers signs have been popping up, including at the rally in Madison. Do you think a serious effort will develop with gathering and submitting signatures? You know, Republicans had a little bit of a, a wariness about the idea of trying to recall Evers. I mean, obviously the Republicans don't like what he's doing, but they saw the experience with the Democrats had with Governor Walker in Act 10, and it gives them pause. I mean, think back a decade ago, the when you when Democrats tried to recall Governor Walker over Act 10, it opened a window in which he could raise money in unlimited amounts, uh, which is in state law in Wisconsin, that when you're targeted for recall, all those limits on contributions limits go away. It helped Walker build a national fundraising network, and it made him a national conservative hero. So if you were to try to recall Evers, you would end up opening that window, same window for him, you know, raise money, unlimited amounts, the national tension that would come with it, that potentially he could build a national fundraising network, which is unusual for governors. I mean, there's all kinds of danger there. Plus two, um, you know, polling has been kind of scarce in this so far, but one poll I saw last week, a plurality of voters said they believe that Governor Evers is doing a good job balancing the health needs of Wisconsin with the economic needs. Um, he was in positive territory for handling coronavirus by healthy margin. He was more trusted than President Trump on the issue. So there's not really like a groundswell of support among swing voters against Evers yet. Now, we're, what, a month into this, uh, six weeks, things could always change. But there's just not the, the political ground right now to recall Evers. Two, so the second you file that petition to start the process of getting signatures, you open that window for him to raise money in limited amounts, it can create a, a financial juggernaut that for Republicans to face in 2022. And finally, Democratic National Committee Chair Tom Perez says he expects to have an in-person national convention in Milwaukee. The convention was scheduled for mid-July, but the DNC moved it to mid-August. Perez says he'll continue to monitor public health conditions while planning the convention, but he's encouraged by forecasts that he says suggest that COVID-19 cases could begin to decline in Wisconsin this spring. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic nominee, has said the convention may have to be entirely virtual. Why do you think Perez is holding fast to the idea of having an in-person convention in Milwaukee? Well, Democrats chose Milwaukee for a number of reasons, some of symbolism, right? I mean, they want to drive a message that they're committed to Wisconsin after Hillary Clinton skipped visiting the state as part of the general election in 2016. They want to send a message that they're committed to the Blue Wall, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, all states that flipped for President Trump uh, four years ago. There's all that symbolism about coming to Milwaukee. And oh, by the way, the conventions are often big launching pads for the nominee. You know, I mean, uh, there's also often a convention bounce and polling. So it's a, it's a big to-do for them to put Joe Biden front and center in the national spotlight for basically four days about as they kind of launch the, the challenge against President Trump. And don't forget, the following week, Republicans will go with their convention. Uh, as far as I know, they're also so planning to move ahead. But I guess really what comes out is, what's the science say? 
You know, I mean, look at Governor Evers and the, how he's addressed the possibility of big groups meeting in Wisconsin in the coming months. He doesn't sound optimistic about there being big, big arenas full of people right now. So the science is going to dictate some what can be done, but I just don't know where we're going to be come August compared to right now in terms of what's allowed, how this pandemic has progressed, and if there's it's more under control. So that's probably going to dictate all what happens this summer. If there's an in-person convention in Milwaukee, do you think it'll draw the huge crowds that planners and local businesses were originally hoping? Yeah, what do you think it will look like? That's a good question. Um, again, the science will dictate what's allowed, but in terms of what was really originally envisioned with thousands of people sitting upon the city of Milwaukee, probably not. I mean, it's a question of do people even feel safe traveling, coming out to Milwaukee and gathering like that? I mean... They were going to have delegations, you know, housed in northern Illinois. There were going to be hotels in Madison for the activists saying, I just don't know there'll be that side of the crowd because I don't know how people feel about traveling to such a large gathering. And even what will the states be allowed to do? Could it be an in-person convention, for example, but with fewer people? You know, there are all kinds of possibilities there that we just haven't really contemplated yet. But that will be a key question for Democrats is how can you pull off a convention, not just pull it off and deliver the message you want, but do it safely and successfully. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.